Hi, I'm Jen, and this is Gardening Out Loud, but not our usual Gardening Out Loud. I am, in fact, in the garden where, walking over to my seat, I encountered some delightful little teen robins in the garden, which are the first time I've seen those this year. So that really tickled me. You can tell the teen robins because they still have some spots and stripes on them and generally they're on the ground and if you approach them they'll try to run away or kind of jump onto lower objects because they're not quite so good at flying yet and there can be teen robins at different times of the year but these are the first ones i've seen of spring and so anyway a little a little glimpse of what's going on here but the focus is not me this week or the garden, despite it trying to elbow its way in. This week, in fact, we have our first guest episode. I intended gardener gardening out loud as a deep dive on this garden so that we could experience its unfolding over the growing year with some closer attention. And that's great. There's value to that, but also it's really limiting because each garden and each gardener is totally unique. And I couldn't shake the desire to want to shine a light on other people, other places, other experiences in the natural world. Thus, the guest episode. I was revisiting Ross Gay's Inciting Joy this week, and he has a line that's actually, he's talking about pedagogy here, but he says, what if wonder was the ground of our gathering? And that is the spirit of Gardening Out Loud guest episodes, capturing a little bit of what it is like to share the space that you cultivate with people in person. And I can tell you that this recording experience was so joyful. I was just on a high <laughs> afterward. So the guest this week is Atika Kaki, and I'm gonna hand the mic over to her and her garden for the bulk of the episode, but I will be back at the end just to reflect on some of the things that resonated most with me. So let's go to Attica's garden. Hi, my name is Atika Kaki and this is my garden in Toronto, I guess in the Palmerston area neighborhood. I have been, I've sort of been working with this garden for five years. Five years ago, there wasn't much here. It was basically just a big, like, patch of dirt in a way. There were a few things that had been planted before we moved in. Like, there were a couple, like, random asters. Yeah, but there wasn't much. And I also, I will admit, I did remove a few things in the beginning because I had this idea of like, this plant doesn't, like, I don't like this. This is aesthetically doesn't fit in. Anyway, um, I sort of digress, but um, the garden is around five years old. And 
I actually remember in May of 2018, I was newly pregnant at the time. And my then unborn baby was the size of a poppy seed. And I was also sort of tending to this garden for the first time. And one of the things I was planting were poppy seeds. So in a way, over the years, this garden has also been a really amazing analogy for motherhood and you know life more generally. Um, I think there's so many lessons that my garden has taught me, continues to teach me. And then I'm also learning more about, you know, plants and how to take care of them or how to, you know, what their role is, what relationship I have to them. So definitely it's been a space of evolution. I remember that first year I had planted the poppy seeds in May and, uh, you know, then life got busy and we were traveling a bunch over the summer and I was also like newly pregnant and not really feeling like wanting to garden. And I remember coming back and this garden was overgrown. It was wild. There were a lot of like things that I had not planted kind of taking over. Um, but there were these amazing, beautiful poppies that I had planted. And so, you know, it was this kind of recognition that like, you know, these living things, the, po the poppies I had planted and, you know, eventually also like my children, as the analogy became for me, they're going to, life's going to live. It can go wild, but you can also tend to it and have a role in shaping it. Spring is such an amazing time. Like I love how it changes every single day. And some days, you know, out from the morning to the evening, things can look really different. You know, winter gets a little grim. It's so hopeful to see like snowdrops and crocuses. I don't actually have any snowdrops planted, but I do have some crocuses and it's such a welcome sight. You know, and then followed by just like the daffodils coming up, which are definitely one of my favorites. I have a bunch of different varieties. Most of them actually out here. I remember I bought them from Home Depot um, on sale late in the season. My daughter, Noor, who was the poppy seed when I started the garden at that time was, would have been like 10, nine, 10 months old. And so, you know, I really wanted to like, spend some time here but I also like was really busy and didn't have time and so I remember one fall day it was really it was kind of cold already and I didn't really like have that much confidence about planting I was like is it too late are people gonna laugh at me and I just came out here and started planting them you know and I my approach was just like to do these little I had the the daffodils like this mixed Home Depot 50% off bag of daffodils and then also the uh, some of the tulips so the yellow and orange red kind of double tulips that you see here which are amazing and stop people all the time and then also the pink sort of like the magenta pink tulips anyway so I planted them I kind of like took all the bulbs I think I probably tossed them together and then just planted them in kind of clumps I think actually a couple years before that I had planted tulips on this side and I did them like in a row it was like a totally like a you know novice gardener move so I, I did more of the clumps and I can't describe the feeling that first spring when you're sort of like, I don't know if this, if I did anything. And then all of a sudden this, you know, what we're looking at now is a rainbow of spring bulbs, daffodils that are, some are frilly, some are more pastel, some are more, you know, brightly colored. And then also tulips of different sort of colors and shapes and sizes. We also have some of the muscari. The wild strawberries are starting to bloom now. So there's all these little white flowers everywhere. The alliums are starting to take form. 
someone asked me once, like, what was the unifying theme of my garden? And I think it was really like form or structure. Like I'm really drawn to plants that have an interesting sort of shape to them, you know? So like even when it came to tulips, I was drawn to these like sort of like double tulips and frilly tulips and there's so much texture in here. And I think one of the other things that I find really beautiful about the spring garden is that it's sort of this juxtaposition between the old and the new or what sort of, you know, dying. I don't know how I feel about using that word, but you know, all this kind of fresh new growth in a perennial garden. I think what's, it like actually blows my mind that like, there's basically nothing here, you know, like if I actually cleaned the dead plant matter, which I don't do, I sort of leave most of it. I remove some of it, but there would be nothing here pretty much. There'd be a little bit like the rose bushes, the grass, I guess, but that's about it. Like nothing else really has a permanent structure. I guess the Saskatoon berry tree, once it gets bigger, but even that butterfly bush, which side note, since planting it, I've learned it's actually invasive and not a great choice to have. So I, you know, I'm thinking about like replacing it, but that's meant to be pruned back to one foot. You know what I mean? And then it becomes this 10 foot structure. There's so much that's going to unfold at this time in early spring too. It's like day to day, you can see that even a week ago, none of these strawberries were really in bloom. There was like one, um, the allium heads hadn't really formed as kind of distinctly as they have now. More of the daffodils were in bloom. Most of them are like spent or on their way there, especially with this warmer weather that we're having. Nothing makes me happier than when people stop to observe the garden in some way. If they take a picture or like talk to the person that they're with, like pointing something out, that is like, honestly, that is the happiest moment for me. You want to create this thing that brings people in and I get so much joy out of it and have learned so much from it. Like if I can share that or be a portal to that, even for a couple moments on the sidewalk for anyone else, that is such a cool thing. And if people are willing to like want to talk about it, that's like next level. Like you want to talk to me about my garden, you know, but side note, I feel like it's one of those things where like Canadians or Torontonians, I feel are a little bit like shot. You know what I mean? People are reserved because sometimes I try to like initiate or if they're taking a picture and I kind of stand up on the porch, they feel like, oh, like I shouldn't be doing that anyway. But I think that it is such a beautiful site for interaction, you know, at different points. Like I, at one point, I think actually the way that we met was when I had a, a plant exchange happening. And um, one of the things I had noticed is that I had a lot of plants in my garden that sort of freely spread or I could collect seeds from something and maybe offer them to someone. And I had this area over here where I just never really committed to planting anything. So there was this kind of gap. And we built, you know, this was in COVID pandemic times where we were like using our miter saw and like making things out of wood. So I made a little table, I painted a sign and I started giving away, it was a lot of salvia, which I have like the common purple salvia cardoso or whatever it's called, um, which in a month from now is like the star of this garden. I can remember the three plants that started with there when I was like planting odd numbers, you know, and now it is like queen of this garden in June july but sticks around all the way until like frost basically you know what i mean if you keep cutting that back so i, I was giving away these plants even just yesterday i was on the harvard village like page and someone was looking for hostas and i'm like i got hostas come come pick them up like i'm always hosta can always be split you know but it's interesting because you know that last year it was like 10 i was like cleaning up the area and i moved the table and i think someone thought it was like 
for giveaway so the table got taken so that's why in part why the plan exchange hasn't come back but also i'm thinking differently about distributing plants and i'm thinking about well should i be giving out these plants that might not have the best ecological value i wouldn't have any invasive plants but i could see someone putting some periwinkle on the table or you know something like that and i don't you know the more that i learn about the things that we're planting in our garden i don't really know that people should be planting things like that because there's such a risk of it spreading out of your individual plot and you know one thing leads to another and then suddenly it's in our ravine system i have met definitely like people in the neighborhood through talking to them about their gardens and i feel most people who are gardeners will engage to some extent and then if you are like hey i'm splitting some salvia do you want some or they might be like, I have uh, uh, like these irises, which are gonna come up soon, right there, are from my neighbor, Emily down the street, who has a beautiful garden. And I've seen that change and evolve over the last few years as she, you know, her kids grew up and she had more time for this and was learning and accepting free things and planting what she liked in the wrong spot and all that kind of stuff. So those irises are from her. I have columbine and chives from her. And then of course those things, you know, they do, really spread and I've given away tons of aster. I think you can see it coming up here and I think aster might actually be one of my favorite plants. And it's funny because when I first moved in here, that was one of the few things that was here and I didn't really like it at the time. And I think part of the reason why I didn't like it is because it gets so big and floppy, which you can handle in a couple ways. Like one is you can do the Chelsea <laughs> chop, right? Which is happens around the time of the Chelsea flower show, which just shows how much of our, you know, imagination around gardening is tied to this very sort of British notion of gardening, which side note, the podcast episode I'm producing is about the relationship between colonialism and gardening and decolonizing the garden. I have a hard time removing anything from my garden. <laughs> I actually listened to your episode where you talked about bringing some things in and I'm guilty. Like I don't do it. Sometimes things get beheaded and then I bring them in, but I have such a hard time removing anything. And it's crazy. Cause like, would anyone notice if I took one tulip, but I just, I think part of it is that it lasts so much longer outside than in a vase or in your home. And I just want every moment of joy from <laughs> this. I'm going to describe a little bit more of what's going on here. This is the gardeners can nerd out part. And it's funny because I have such specific relationships with so many plants. Like I think this blue fescue grass over here, and there's a couple of them. And now they've self-seeded in the border was one of the original things that was planted in this garden that I was like, cool, I like this, you know, and they split very easily. Every couple of years, they'll let you know when they're ready to be divided. But even if they don't, you can pack at them. There was also some Satum Autumn Joy, and that is something that has multiplied. And also I have probably traded with other people or gotten more of. Um, this is some of the salvia coming up. So it has really made its way over from this first spot to all over the place. Of course, the, the strawberries are growing in amazingly. I think this is a volunteer geranium. I think like a native geranium or common geranium, bright pink flowers, I'm pretty sure. You know, there's also a lot of little things that I bought at like Harbor Convenience, for example, has amazing plant selection. And there's many a morning, especially in like COVID days when I had a little kid and nothing to do that I just go, you know, buy some Cranesbill. And it's amazing. Like it smells so amazing. You know, like, right? It has this amazing kind of like fresh citrusy undertone. I don't know. It's like very fresh. Like that to me is the smell of spring. These are the Iconops coming up. 
you know, and this is so cool because this is going to be like a three foot tall plant. A few peonies, one, two, I think I definitely bought as an early gardener when you're like, I want peonies and it's in spring where you're like, this is what everyone has. And I think this one was rescued if I'm not mistaken. I have a few things that I've sort of, you know, found somewhere where someone has given me a couple years ago when that house was being done. I was like, can I take the plants? And I actually have one single tulip over there that is also from that um, garden. It's like this beautiful flame orange tulip. What else do we have here? This is a rose, you know, David Austin rose and an iceberg rose, which again, were like, I think as an early gardener, I was like, these are things I need for my garden. And these I actually bought on my birthday one year, I remember. This was probably actually pre like starting the garden in 2018. So this, this, this guy's been around for a while. I have a hard time doing things like pruning. And so I'm constantly reading about pruning but like having a really hard time doing it. So this is an example of like where someone who keeps roses would probably, and I'll describe like this rose bush, which is a sort of a climber rose, um, is probably six feet tall, you know, it's tallest points and about three to four feet wide and it's flourishing. And I also know, I like intellectually, I know that if you prune a rose, it likes that, but I just have a hard time doing that. But at some point it will become unavoidable. This hydrangea was also here when was one of the things that was planted. I feel like that's a very like, but a hydrangea in the front yard. The milk pod, milkweed pods that you're seeing here, those I planted. And it's interesting because that is one of the plants that people are like, that's a weed. Or some people are like, oh, cool. Like, did you plant that? Or did like the people who are kind of interested in native plants or pollinators are like, did that just volunteer? I was like, no, I, I started it, but I started it from one plant. And now, you know, it has like a nice little size in here. The Saskatoon berry, which does not look great right now, I will say, that was another plant that I bought when I had young kids. And actually, I had a home birth with my son, Issa, and I saved my placenta and I planted it underneath the plant as like a sort of form of nutrients, I guess. So it's significant that way. And I think I'm having a hard time like thinking about, I don't know if it looks happy there. I don't know much about moving plants. I think maybe just watering it and tending to it a little bit this year would help. These grasses are miscanthus grasses and they're another thing that I really chose because of the form and structure but since I've learned more about gardening they are one of the more invasive type of grasses you know and it's easy for me to kind of be like well they don't spread in my garden but I don't know you know and a lot of it is about the seeds that a bird might eat off in my garden and then like drop it off miles away so they're one of the things that I'm thinking about replacing or removing which is kind of sad because I do love the way that they look but oh Jarvis is in the garden now too Jarvis is my neighbor's cat so Jarvis is kind of nestled over there in a neglected back corner area and it's crazy because in some ways I look at my garden and I'm like this garden is so full what more could I possibly add and then I look at that back corner area and I'm like I haven't really thought about this area at all and it if I were to clear out the stuff that really shouldn't be there it would be like a pretty good sized bed I'm working with that is all tiger lily so again started from like a single one and you can see how in a few matter of a few years it's now like 20 plants so I've kind of just let it go but probably at some point in the near future I will deal with that in some way um I think replacing this this butterfly bush is something I think about with something native which is exciting but I think the hard thing is like you want that instant effect of like I want a big bush right now a big shrub but you know just going back to like some of the lessons I've learned from gardening life will unfold. I think that was the first big one with like the poppy seeds and my kids and this garden sort of emerging. 
and it's also like things take time you know and sort of happen in their own time and you can't really rush that and a garden is a perfect example of that but at the same time you can see its progression every single day if you want you know and you can have a, ha a hand in how that goes to an extent I could show you I have this weird thing where I like hang on to the packaging or like the seed packet or whatever of almost everything I planted I have it it's another like project that I'm like one day I'm gonna do some project with this probably more than half of those you don't see here you know what I mean and I think as like an early gardener I was like I want this I want that and I was much more focused on like the aesthetics of it and what I wanted to get from it rather than like what does this garden want this this right here so you're seeing about a five foot but sort of cut back but not totally structure of last year last year's joe pie weed this plant and a few others i bought at like the native plant sale at christie pitts again when i was like sort of new i didn't really know what i was doing and i just planted it here and i didn't actually know it was going to be this seven foot tall plant for years i was like i'm gonna move it and i tried moving it and the roots like that thing is not moving you know and so it was like one of those lessons where it's like this is going to be here and this is how you're, you know you can sort of work around this rather than trying to control it so much similarly like the aster has really sort of run free which is amazing that's another plant that's so easy to give away like you could honestly take like a two inch little bundle of it and if you were to plant it now you would have like a good chunk by the fall and in the years ahead it would just continue to grow and grow oh there's so again there are a few like more native things tucked in here this is called yellow pumpernel i think and it gets this beautiful yellow flower i don't exactly remember what it looks like in a couple of weeks time i will definitely send you a picture but this is just the very beginning of it some yarrow as well like i'm trying to add stuff but part of it is like you do have to make some big edits you know like if you really want to introduce something into a packed garden like this like you have to be like i'm taking this these hostas for example out the hostas are, you know, they're nice to look at, but they don't really do much. And again, that's some prime real estate in here. So this is a couple sage bushes, which again, I love the things that have scent. Yeah, there's echinacea and black-eyed Susans. You, we can see right here that are coming up. But that is like another moment in this garden. What else is there? I think oh, chives. These are really cool. So this garden gets a lot of fun. So some things just get crazy big like these chives get crazy big i think this is the first chive flower forming and it's hard because right now i'm battling my kids because they love to come here and pull the tops off the chives and eat them or just throw them on you know the sidewalk which is fine but also i'm like i really want some chive flowers can you not like you know and so i'm trying to redirect them to this little self-seated strip right here in my border yeah, so um, thanks for gardening out loud with me. As you can tell, I love talking about my garden. I love being able to share that with you today. Thank you, Attica, for sharing your garden and your time with all of us. As I said at the beginning, this was a joyful visit there on a sunny morning the tulips just offering a rainbow all around us as i stepped through the little stone path that she's made through the front yard space 
gazing down at all of the layers of life there were here from the wild strawberries crawling around the base to perennials starting to push through to the spring blooms which were for the tulips just in their full glory and then the big structural plants there was so much to experience there when i listen back through our conversation I, wa I wanted to highlight a few things that stood out for me and one was the garden as a point of connection Attica's american uh, she just became a canadian citizen but so she she mentioned you know canadians are very polite or maybe she didn't say polite, maybe she said restrained or cold, <laughs> whatever we are, a little standoffish. And the garden offering this prompt, this way to bridge the gap between us. And I have to share what you can't hear in the episode is that while we were recording, this happened. A man came up who had been, as it turns out, photographing Attica's garden for a while and he shared a couple of the photos that he'd posted on his instagram of those glorious orange yellow double tulips and this was someone who Attica had never met before and suddenly we were having this conversation so it was very much a case in point happening another thing i loved was her saying that the garden is a space for evolution. And we saw, as she explained, not just the garden's evolution, but also the way she had changed the way she thought about the garden. And I think that is both fascinating and a lovely invitation for those of you who might feel daunted by beginning a gardening journey she has the point where she says that these were some discount Home Depot tulip bulbs that she didn't, wasn't really sure would work. And now those are such a important part of the garden that they're a thing that strangers come to take photos of. So all to say, don't be afraid to get stuck in. Another highlight was Attica talking about decolonizing the garden. And I strongly encourage you to go listen to her episode of Don't Call Me Resilient uh, for the deep dive on that. But for me, what it was bringing up for one thing was the Britishness of our garden references, of the plants we choose. She mentions a David Austin rose, which is a British rose, which is in fact a kind of rose that I fetishize and part of the reason for that is my exposure to British gardening programming. I also often reflect on our relationship with the garden and when we talk about decolonizing that's an important part to examine the way that we think about our gardens and our space and you'll notice maybe in this podcast that I try not to call it my garden. And there are a couple of reasons for that, but one of them is an anti-colonial stance that this land, it, it really doesn't belong to me, that it is not a hierarchical relationship, 
one of submission or domination. And I think that really is evident when in like maybe my most favorite part of the episode when Atika asks, what does the garden want? Seeing the garden as an active agent, as a collaborator in this process that has its own needs and desires. I would love to know what you took away from this conversation. And you can do that by leaving a comment, by reaching out, by hitting reply if you're an email subscriber. And also, please let me know what you think of these guest episodes. This is our first one in this format, and I hope to do many more over the course of the year. I will be back in the garden next week and more on this space, this place, this garden life for you then. <laughs>